This is KYUK, public radio for the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta. I'm Francisco Martinez-Cuello. The Bethel City Council published its meeting agenda on the city website. The meeting starts at 6.30 p.m. today, and folks are encouraged to participate or attend either in person, virtually via Zoom, or tune into KYUK's live broadcast. After the roll call, people have the opportunity to be heard either through the online submission form or showing up at City Hall. There is one order of unfinished business which will require a vote, according to the agenda packet, and six new business items that do not require a vote. An executive session is also scheduled for this evening, which will be held behind closed doors regarding the settlement offer between Brayton Lieb versus City of Bethel. White House officials said Monday that they still had not come to any conclusions about what U.S. fighter jets shot out of the skies near Dead Horse on Friday, the Yukon on Saturday, or over Lake Huron on Sunday. Here's White House National Security Council spokesman John Kirby. I think we all need to be humble here in in terms of what our ability is to positively identify stuff from fighter aircraft that are going several hundred miles an hour past essentially, in in terms of relative motion, a stationary object um, that was not very big. Kirby says these objects were not being maneuvered and didn't appear to have any self-propulsion. He says it's likely they were moving with prevailing winds, which blow west to east. Unlike these three objects, U.S. authorities have said the first object they shot down on February 4th was a Chinese spy balloon. U.S. Senator Dan Sullivan wants more transparency from the White House. Here he is speaking to a Fox News host on Monday. So what we need right now is more information on all of these kind of incidences so the American people have full information. I think that's going to be really important in the next few days. All three members of Alaska's congressional delegation and Governor Mike Dunleavy have made similar points in their public statements about the incursions. They also say securing Alaska's airspace is a national security imperative and that Alaska needs a strong military presence to counter or deter neighboring adversaries. Over the years, the Inuit Circumpolar Council has nervously watched military activity increase in the Arctic. Jimmy Stotts was the organization's president and recently retired. Some of these conflicts elsewhere are spilling over and into the Arctic. I'm worried about that. Relationships, particularly over there in northern Europe, the Scandinavian countries and Russia, how things there could pretty easily, I think, go sideways. He says these aerial objects may be a distraction from wider threats that come with militarizing the Arctic. The Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta is experiencing an increase in active cases of tuberculosis. Alaska has the highest rate of tuberculosis in the country, and the YK Delta has the highest rate in the state, three to six times more TB than the rest of Alaska. Dr. Ellen Hodges, chief of staff at the Yukon-Kuskokwim Health Corporation, says people may not know they have the disease because it is frequently latent and they don't have any symptoms. About 10% of people with latent tuberculosis infection will eventually develop active infectious tuberculosis. So this can happen right away, so right after you get infected, or TB is very sneaky. This can happen decades later. Uh, some of those <clears throat> individuals can develop active tuberculosis much later in their life. Treatment involves taking medicines over a long period of time. Dr. Ann Zink, the chief medical officer of the Alaska Department of Health, says to get rid of the disease, it's important to take the drug every day, even when you're feeling better. As a human, I am bad about taking my medications every day, even when I'm supposed to. This is hard and this is long, but uh, it's really, really critical so that we don't see new strands of tuberculosis that are more resistant to drugs and result in the next person having to take different ones or longer ones, or sometimes we have some that are untreatable. Fortunately, what we see 
in Alaska is primarily treatable tuberculosis. Zink says the recent increase in active tuberculosis in the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta is related to increased exposure from the time people spent shut down in their homes during the COVID pandemic and the continuing crowded housing situation in the region. There was also not much testing for tuberculosis during COVID, and it could be that part of the increase is coming from more people now being tested for the disease. After a month's long wait, thousands of Alaskans have gotten their food stamps, but thousands more are still waiting. The state says it's making progress, but admits it's skipping some federal requirements to do that. Claire Strempel reports for KTOO. Mary Ruth Moore of Soldatna has been waiting on her food stamps since she reapplied for herself and her four children in October. In a way, I feel like I've kind of become a scientist in the kitchen, trying to, you know, make things go further. Since then, she's been watering down crockpot meals to stretch the food she has. So what that's boiled down to is less vegetables, um, less fruits, and especially the, you know, fresh ones. The state's food stamp backlog began in August with a flood of 8,000 applications after the pandemic health emergency lapsed. State officials say the Division of Public Assistance is working through the backlog faster now, but Alaskans say that months of going without have left them with debt and fears for the future. More is still waiting. It's a very powerless feeling um, to know that the situation you're in is so dependent, but There's no one to reach out to. There doesn't seem to be any accountability. Moore says she's been relying on credit cards to get through. She says she worries about how she'll pay them off and knows thousands of other people are going through the same thing. Moore connected with Alaska Legal Services, the state's largest provider of civil aid, and filed a case last week. Alaska Legal Services Advocacy Director Lee Dickey says they file 20 to 30 new cases a day, and it's not slowing down. No. It's just booming. No, it hasn't tapered at all. She says they had 200 complaints last month, and they're taking on more pro bono lawyers to help handle the workload. They help Alaskans who've been waiting too long file a case with the state and get their benefits. It is January 24th, 2023. This is the first Health and Social Services Committee from the Senate. At legislative briefings in late January, leaders from the Department of Health blamed the backlog on its technology and the effects of a cyber attack on the department in May of 2021. Deputy Commissioner Emily Ricci said the department has finished issuing food stamps to people who applied in September and is working on October applications. The team is currently working through October recertifications and saw the number of recertifications being processed daily increase substantially last week, which is positive. Eligibility workers who spoke with KTOO say chronic understaffing is behind the slowdowns. But they did agree they have been working faster. They say it's because leadership directed them to skip mandatory federal processing requirements. Deb Etheridge, the new director of the state's Division of Public Assistance, says the department is doing everything it can to get people their benefits. We're we're taking all measures that we can to expedite this food stamp recertification process. Skipping some verifications has risks, both to recipients and to the state. If people get larger benefits than they should, they'll have to reimburse the government later. And Etheridge acknowledges the state could get fined by the federal government. But she says they aren't hiding shortcuts from the federal government. We are talking with our federal partners and engaged with them, and they're aware of steps that we're taking, and there may be some sanctions, uh, uh, perhaps, but uh, it's nothing that we're doing without full awareness and transparency. Department of Health doesn't say understaffing is a root cause of its backlog, but it recently made more than 50 hires. 
Etheridge says they're also contracting with new workers to answer phones and fix the computer problems they say are behind the slowdown. But she says her larger goal is to build a department that won't experience this kind of backlog again. Ideally, it's uh, a one-touch processing for all applications, which means that individuals who are applying for benefits can call or they can apply online and they can get um, immediate feedback. Natalie Richards of Soldatna had her benefits restored in January, after five months of waiting. She says the experience left her with credit card debt and nagging fears that it could happen again. It's really frightening to live that way, thinking that your basic needs of food and shelter aren't going to be met. She says state services are failing the most vulnerable Alaskans. She says people need better from state leaders. They, they still go home and eat their dinner, you know. I mean, what about, what about the people they were responsible and to look out for? She says she's grateful the state paid her benefits for all the months she was waiting, but she doesn't feel like the trial is over. She says she's using the money sparingly, just in case something like this happens again. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Claire Strempel. This is KYUK News. I'm Francisco Martinez Cuello. Kuyana for listening. Please share your news tips, comments, or suggestions. You can email us at news at kyuk.org or message us on Facebook. And stay tuned for News Yuktun coming up.